Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. I'm sorry you had to wake up early for this, but um, thank you for coming on the show. It's fine. I woke up for this. Uh, I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry I don't have my best setup. I'm going to have to mute and unmute myself and I'm speaking from my phone. It's just that I came to Dad's place last night and it got so cold that I decided to stay overnight. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try this on my phone. Last year, I don't know if you remember, but we did a kind of like a year in review where we talked about like all the top stories of the year. And uh, I thought it was I thought it was a pretty good pod. It, like it, it got I think it was like my most downloaded pod. Um, and I, I reached out to you again because I want to do the same thing. I want to pick three stories from my side. And I'm sure you have like three topics on your side and. We can kind of go, kind of run down it. I would love to hear your opinions on what you thought were the top three. Um, but yeah, what do you think about that? Sounds good. And also, it's good to see that this year you look much more healthier. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> God, what do you what do you mean by that? <laughs> no, take it as a compliment. <laughs> okay, I'm taking it as a compliment. Uh, Okay, so with that, let's let's jump in. Let's jump into the uh, let's jump into the year in review. Okay, you want you want to start first? Or you want me to start first? I'll pick my first top story. You want to pick your first top story? No, go ahead. I actually have a chronological order list of topics, and I'm not sure how many of them there there are. But if you pick three, I'm pretty sure I have another three to present. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I'm going to go first, and then you go with your top story. Or no, you know what we should do? All right, no, no, that works. I was going to say we start from the end, but no, I think this works. I think the biggest top story of the year was the BlackRock filing the Bitcoin ETF application. I think that's just the biggest story. It has to be. 
The world's biggest asset manager, that would be BlackRock, is gearing up for their own Bitcoin ETF, reportedly using Coinbase for custody and pricing, according to a person familiar with the matter. It's honestly a really interesting time to make the move and raises a couple of questions, not least of which is, if this is a futures-based vehicle, the only kind that's been approved in the U.S. to date, why would Coinbase custody be involved? And on the other hand, if if Coinbase custody is involved, what does BlackRock know that would push them towards an approach that's been uniformly and repeatedly rejected by the regulator to date? that's funny because I think the biggest story in Bitcoin this year was the creation of BitVM. Yeah. So let's dive into both. Okay. I think I think the BlackRock thing is crazy. We've seen this before. We've seen this many times. It's very possible that it's not actually going to happen, right? We've been rug pulled on this for, I don't know, I think Gemini was the first one that tried. Um, this one seems to be going, getting a little further along. You have um, them filing it, filing it, I want to say like June 15th. And as you well know, they're the biggest asset manager. And they're going to be using Coinbase for custody, which is also another interesting thing. I think the, I think the other thing that came out here recently was that uh, Fidelity's Bitcoin Spot ETF had been listed as well. So... This is all coming out like here right now. We're seeing this kind of run right now into the holidays. And it's everybody's looking at this like this is going to be the biggest rug pull of all time. I, I think personally, like if it does get approved, like everybody should sell, <laughs> like like sell your Bitcoin at that time. Because, I mean, it, it's probably going to crash. I mean, you know, the you know, the thing, sell the news, you know, on approval kind of thing. So like it, either way, I think it's going to be really bad ultimately for Bitcoin and for hodlers and, you know, who knows where it's going to head, but it, it just, and I don't know anything. So definitely don't listen to me. Whoever's listening right now, go listen to the macro guys. This is just some random Bitcoiner in his uh, opinion, but I, I, I just don't see it being very good for, for, for Bitcoin in general. Um, in a sense, I think it was inevitable for it to happen to get, embedded in the mainstream financial system. I'm not sure if it's going to happen fully. As you said, it might as well get rejected indefinitely because we've had proposals for ETFs for about a decade now. But at the same time, it's BlackRock and it has very close ties to the US government. It's that corporation that everyone hates. You have Vanguard and you have BlackRock and they own a majority of stakes in lots of companies. And it's definitely interesting that they acquired such a great interest and they want to buy BTC for the purpose of offering ETFs. And they also filed an Ethereum ETF, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, they did? I didn't hear about that. Yeah, it would be actually quite ironic if that one gets approved because it's more centralized, right? So it's easier to control. They don't have as many concerns. They just convince a bunch of nerds that they're going to make them rich, and that's it. But in regards to your speculation on what's going to happen to the price, pretty sure that there are a lot of bulls out there who will be like, no, 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 don't sell the news because that's exactly what BlackRock wants you to do so that they get a huge amount of BTC. Basically, they're going to buy the dip once you sell, and then they're going to control more of the network. They're going to be bigger than MicroStrategy or whatever. 
and they're going to buy more BTC on the cheap. But for the record, I just want to think that Cointelegraph social media intern who came up with the news that the ETF got approved because basically we found ourselves in a bull market all of a sudden and we never went back. Yeah, dude, I, 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 I didn't know about the Ethereum stuff, so that's fascinating. Um, I think I, I can see that I can see that scenario playing out where you have, let's say, BlackRock runs up the price. Let's say we get back to you know the all time high here at um, you know the last the last run, right? And let's say you know people do sell at that time. And then it crashes back down, you know, just before the halving or something. And then at that point, you, maybe you're right. Maybe they come in and scoop everything up under 25 or 22, or whatever that crash is going to look like. Or maybe it's a flash crash. Who knows what they're planning? They're definitely, I think if you're if you're somebody who's um, who's listening, I think just realize like something is going to happen. Like there's going to be some manipulation in the markets during that time. And it, it's going to be, it's going to be really, it's going to be really disruptive. Uh, and and that is just my good old fashioned hodl uh, instinct that that's going to happen. So I think the I think the smartest thing here is to stack, 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 and and um, yeah, like you said, don't sell, and and just continue to stack during this whole time um, because it, it, there's going to be some sort of manipulation. And I don't know if it's I don't know if it's going to look like what you described. But I, I personally think, and I said this publicly, I, I think I think Black getting BlackRock on board with Bitcoin is gonna we're gonna dig our own graves, um, and this is why self self custodial multi sig all that stuff is very important right now while while you still can, um, because who knows what's gonna happen. Yeah, I was just thinking what Elon Musk did back in twenty twenty one with the price, that he basically pushed it up with bullish tweets. He started out interacting with the guy who wrote Bitcoin Billionaires and said, yeah, I would never refuse a Bitcoin payment once again. And after that, he realized that he has great influence over the markets and he can basically revive Doge out of nowhere. And suddenly he said, oh, but did you know that Bitcoin mining is bad for the environment? And this one take that he posted ended the first leg of the 2021 bull market. For a few months, I think we actually thought we were not getting back to that level. For some reason, we went back in November, if I'm not mistaken. But my point here is that these people have a lot of influence on markets and the BlackRock CEO, if he makes statements, it's possible that he can also manipulate the price. So... I guess it's wise to huddle all through the storm and not worry too much because the fundamentals don't change. It's just that some some new greedy actor steps in and decides it's time for him to buy some more. And what's a good way to buy some more if not to crash the price with some shady, you know, shady bearish news? I think yeah. that's likely to happen. No, I think you're exactly right. I think you're exactly right. That makes total sense. I didn't even I didn't even picture myself seeing um, uh, Fink doing that, but that as soon as he he says something, he basically will be Jerome Powell, right? Like 
and that's unfortunate. That's like really unfortunate. Um, so to to me, I, I think at this point, hodl stack sats and ignore the noise. But I do think there's going to be a bull run, you know, after this thing gets listed, just because of the uh, the way the cycles run. Um, but we might get a head fake. I, th- I think I think that makes the most sense now after talking to you. Yeah, there's also, I guess, this scenario where they might be paying us to leave in the sense that they're going to push the price so high that we're going to be like, yeah, you know, we made it. We got our profits and we can leave. And then they can get more control over the network because essentially you're dealing with an entity that has first access in the Cantillon chain. And there's an unlimited amount of money that they can print. So let's say they push it to 100K and then we exuberantly sell and they're going to buy and accumulate for a longer time than we ever can. But at the same time, if there's anything that we can learn from the short history of this asset, that institutions have super, super weak hands. They brag about buying. They're like, yeah, this is the future, blah, blah, blah. We added this percentage of our revenue to our portfolio, but then they sell it only because they have to report, I guess, quarterly or biannual reports in which they have profits. And when the bear market comes, they don't have conviction in anything. They're going to sell. Right. Yeah, this is this is definitely going to look like an attack on Bitcoin. It, it um, yeah, it's about to get it's about to get crazy in a good way for a second, and then crazy the other way. <laughs> um, cool. I think we talked enough about the Bitcoin ETF. I I just personally think it's the biggest story, you know, of the year. I think. You know, if I if if I had to like put everything there, like what's the thing that had has had the most impact on the people that's building on it and um, this race to it? It's uh, it's it's that, unfortunately. Um, price moves, price moves everything faster. Um, so let's talk about BitVM. And so I wrote a little program. This is you know, the the whole idea for BitVM is based on the idea that you can take logic gates and you can represent them in Bitcoin script. So I wrote uh, a GitHub repository called Tapleaf Circuits, which takes a Bristol circuit as input. You pat you pass it a Bristol circuit. You can actually see some of the ones I've run in it in here in the circuits library. Uh, all these things like this is an eight bit adder I wrote as a logic as a Bristol fashion circuit, and down here is like a uh, a bit shifter because we were building a um, uh, a SHA-256 function. We need stuff like bit shifting and in addition and stuff like that. But we've written a bunch of programs as Bristol circuits, uh, Bristol fashion, you know, logic circuits. And then I made this little program. I think it's in vm.js, which is able to take one of these um, one of these circuits, one of these Bristol fashion logic circuits that look like this as input and produce a corresponding Bitcoin address that encodes all of that, uh, that encodes every line uh, of every line of code here as a tap leaf. Why was it your top story of the year? It's a big deal because 
because it's an upgrade to the expressiveness of the Bitcoin script without a soft fork or a hard fork or anything. It's in the true spirit of the network. It's permissionless and it allows you to do computation and run it and validate it off-chain, but with data that's on-chain. So basically you can create more advanced contracting, which are conditional to some external event. I think Super Testnet has this, I'm not sure if it's a joke or not, but he basically said he wants to create this contract where you have to play Pokemon on Game Boy and you have to find Pikachu in order to be able to spend the Bitcoin. Not not spend, you know, withdraw it to your own wallet. So he's thinking about these use cases and there's more to it. Maybe it sounds like esoteric nerd talk, but as far as I can understand, I, I did an interview with Sergio Lerner, who is the architect of Rootstock, RSK, the sidechain. And he told me that basically Rootstock needed drive chains for it to be complete. And it doesn't seem like we're going to get that, but he seems to have figured out a way to use BitVM to create really decentralized sidechains. And to me, that's very good news. It's, it's almost too good to be true, you know? The fact that someone steps in, figures out a solution to creating more advanced scripting language, not languages, code, but without actually requiring anyone's permission or any sort of soft work. I think it's huge because so far all proposals were revolving around, okay, let's add this soft work. Nobody was really convinced if it's useful for them. We currently have four or five proposals that sound reasonable, but it, it's hard to convince everyone to upgrade, especially after Taproot was overhyped and very few people use it. Yeah. Unless they do ordinals. Yeah, yeah I, I think um, I think just knowing Super really well, I think uh, he's always going to push the limits to things. Right, and I think he had uh, was it was it Ra Robin or was it Linus? Which which Linus was it again? I think he, it was Robin who came up with this. Yeah, so I, I so so I so I suspect knowing knowing Super and how he works, and um, he's one of those guys that will literally be here like right now, you know, eleven p.m. and where all of us are still working, and usually it's like Super and like a couple other people and then myself. So he's all he does is twenty four seven. Bitcoin script and new inventions. And well, one thing that I think Super does really, really well is he's able to solve really hard problems that I, I think that, uh, that, that, that others um, either don't have the patience or don't have the tenacity to do. And um, he'll literally be stuck on a problem from what I could tell for you know, like a week, and then he'll put it to the side, he'll go take a walk, and then he'll come back and, and, and figure it out. So there's no doubt in my mind, Super will get to where he's trying to go. Um, uh, so it, it would be funny, like, yeah, like you said, he does get to Pokemon, or he, uh, obviously he might get to Pong or something first, but um, it, it would be it would be interesting to see how all that would function. And just, uh, you know, going to some conferences this year, there was a lot of talk about side chains, obviously. Um, and and now Liquid seems to be uh, making a comeback. <laughs> um, so I, I think there's you know there's gonna be some federated stuff that are gonna take off next year, and 
it's interesting to see people like Super and, and Robin uh, sticking a Bitcoin script and trying to make it work with, all, with what they have already. So I don't know. I think it's interesting. I'm not sure if Liquid is making a comeback. Their biggest news was that Arc is going to get built as a proof of concept on top of Liquid as it already has covenants. But that's bullish, man. Arc is a big project that that no one's really talking about anymore after Bitcoin conference. But, you know, we were supposed to get Barack to come to the lab at some point in the winter, but I guess he's he 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 I tried messaging him, but he hasn't messaged me back. So he's probably busy building, I would imagine. So if 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 he decides to to build that on top of a liquid, which, which I haven't looked into, but it sounds like you've already done the research on that, then I think that's uh, that's going to be really interesting, really interesting to watch. Yeah, but liquid is still a ghost town. If you look at the mempool dot space version of liquid, you're going to see that there are very few transactions. Even today, I saw a tweet by Rubbles, who is one of the biggest marketing guys at Blockstream. And he was cheering that they have five or six transactions per block, which honestly is a joke. For a project of that magnitude with those expectations and so many scientists worked on it, it's super underwhelming. You know, so, so like the same team that, that did that over there are now creating Fetty. What's your thoughts on Fetty? I'm not sure if it's the same team that's creating Fetty. There's cer- certainly a guy who used to work on Liquid that now creates Fetty, but that's a different concept. I was, you know, you also had Greg Maxwell and Andrew Polstra and all of these researchers at Blockstream who worked on Liquid. But to answer your question about Fetty, it defeats the purpose of Bitcoin in the first place. It's sort of like it's a bank. It's a custodian that's going to hold funds. Of course, there's going to be some cryptographic way to not know which member of the federation owns most BTC. But you can determine that within communities if that's the way it's going to be implemented. You can figure out who's the wealthiest one. Even if you can't do it cryptographically, you can do it socially. And it's just a huge rug pull waiting to happen. I think the whole point of Bitcoin was to not deal with this situation, not have banking, not try to reinvent it. People go back to this Halfini forum post who predicted that there's going to be Bitcoin banks and they justify it and say, yeah, this was prophesized. It was supposed to happen. They also virtue signal about the third world using this, but... I don't see why they virtue signal because they're giving them a much worse experience. They're not going to be masters of their own keys. They're not going to really have all the benefits of the Bitcoin network. They're just going to be on a layer free where they have cheap transactions. They have scalability. They have some privacy, but the, the creator of this bank can steal the funds and run away. And the only sort of reply to suggest that this will not happen is that they can do a multi-sig between multiple people, but it's not like they cannot cooperate in this. And it's that they're going to use Uncle Jim's and people who have a good reputation within communities. But honestly, 
the point of this has always been don't trust verify yeah i think the only scenario i think where that no one has really brought up and this is and this is just the way i think through things cuz i like to play things out like i i like to think like everything they say is going to happen and and if everything they say is going to happen and they get all these things then what happens then right i like to, i like to get to the usually when i look at a project or anything like that i like to get to the to believing what they say happens and then what happens then right because then and then i like playing the scenario out from there so let's say they do that and they have you know whether it's influencers or whether it's um people like yourself or or even me i don't know let's just say there's there's people that are attached to this kind of like uh this bank that's a federated bank i think that i think the way it plays out is a little bit different because let's say there is a rug pull I think the bigger threat isn't the rug pull itself. It's it's the kind of like, oh, that's not really going on. It's the same thing that we see with like FTX and, um, you know, uh, where they say they have some funds, but they really don't. And then it's, you know, you're supposed to believe the person because of their status. That to me, when you play this out in that way where it's like, okay, cool, let's say we do this and you're able to do this and you're able to do this. Okay, now what happens then? And if you play the scenario out from there, that to me is the most likely scenario is that I'm not saying any, all of them are going to do that, but there's going to be one or two that that's going to happen. It's just, it's too easy to, to, um, to not happen. Is that making sense? Am I making sense at all? Uh, and I also want to add that maybe I sound excessively pessimistic on technology. That sounds interesting, but my opinion is that we're better off having side chains. And it's the same conversation with stuff like drive chains. They say, oh, the miners can coordinate to rug pull, but at least anyone can become a miner, you know? Anyone can pick up an ASIC and become a miner and start a pool and make sure that there's going to be some sort of honesty in the system. Whereas in the case of a bank, you only have a few people who are in charge and you have to really trust them. Yeah, I think it's I think it's uh, like with me, whenever it comes to new projects that I don't know too much on, because I don't know much about Fetty, to be completely honest. Um, so for me, when it comes to projects like that, where I'm not really focused on or paying attention to or even like trying to do the research on it, I, I have a, a policy of wait and see. So right now it's like a wait and see mode. But uh, based all based on all the good stuff that they're saying and and I'm, I'm, I'm believing them, um, that's where I like to play out these scenarios. Is like what happens after all the good stuff, and um, that's one thing I wanted to um, just shine a light and shine a light on because I don't think enough people are talking about that scenario yet. But that's probably like ways down. Okay, cool. So. We went through our first two top stories uh, to, let's see, let me see. My second top story is the AI Bitcoin stuff. And in other news tonight, a major breakthrough at the intersection of AI while still in the early stages. Six years into our biotech era, the landscape has transformed. Integration centers with enhanced individuals Good now evening. a regular site As someone who country. has personally experienced the journey of AI body synthesis, I can attest to its challenges and triumphs. I 
I, I, it's just completely fascinating, man. And 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 I'm coming at it from different points here, so I'll kind of run through the why I, why it's my second top story. It's my second top story because of like the Sam Altman stuff that's going on with the orb, right? And then you know he literally goes to to, to Congress and and like you know has to explain how like OpenAI isn't gonna you know take over the world. And then you literally have, you know, all the catastrophe that happened him in in late November, right before Thanksgiving with him getting ousted and then coming back. And then this power move that that Microsoft played and his team. And then, okay, so that's just on the on the fiat side. And then you actually have like the stuff that the Bitcoiners are doing, right? Because they're seeing this and they want to access, you know, the, that API and, and they want to build services around it. And that's really cool. Right. And and I think the L402 stuff is really cool. Doing machine to machine payments is really cool. But the problem with all that is, and this is a thing that I've just barely uh, started looking more, looking, paying more close attention to, is the fact that all these LLMs are going to be from one company. And, and, and it's bad for surveillance. It's bad for privacy. It's bad for a dozen of other reasons. But most importantly, it's bad because as self-sovereign Bitcoiners who are building companies around this stuff, they're going to get rugged. They're going to get rugged if uh, they start bringing in censorship to that open AI platform. So one of the things I think is interesting about how all this kind of shakes out is the self-sovereign LLM that gets built with all this open source software. So I, I can see a scenario where we have like these alternative um, self-sovereign um companies that are building this AI stuff, you, leveraging Bitcoin. I don't think the open AIs of the world are ever going to leverage Bitcoin. I, you know, I don't, it, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I, I think it's going to take Bitcoiners to make their own personal LLMs that maybe they spin up, a, 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 you know, a, alongside their Start9 or whatever device they're using. And I think it's going to be really interesting because Bitcoiners are just better at, at creating marketplaces. Right. And we're seeing the, the thing with NOS are taking off. And so one of the cool things that I think is going to be really interesting is seeing projects like Cascader or GPUtopia that are going to be able to leverage that marketplace that's being built on Noster and then eventually building their own LLMs. Right. And then being able to obfuscate that that collection of data whether it's you know whether it's you know just shooting over a, a machine payment L402 and then at that point that thing literally you know gets dusted right it gets wiped whatever maybe there's a couple other you know um, bitcoiners that are gonna run those things and then you know so what I'm trying to say is the possibilities are endless here but to me that that is the second biggest top story of the year for me personally is just the AI Bitcoin privacy the upstream surveillance around that. It's just, uh, it's fascinating. I, I can't stop looking at it. It's like a, it's like, I'm not going to say it's a train wreck because it's not. It's more like this like chaotic parade that just won't stop. And everybody in the, in, the, in the town is just like glued either to the TV or they're looking outside and they're like, when is this Macy's Day parade supposed to end? And it hasn't stopped because as, as the race keeps going, you start seeing it's getting a little darker, <laughs> right? It used to be like Winnie the Pooh balloons and like Mickey Mouse balloons. And now it's like the saw balloon. And you're like, wait, why is the saw balloon, you know, at the Macy's Day Parade? So what I'm trying to say is like, it's feeling like that. It's feeling like a long parade that's slowly getting darker. And when I, when I look at all this stuff, and it's unfortunate 
because I think what the technology is going to leverage in the future is going to be really, really good. It's going to be really helpful to humanity. Will it get rid of tons of jobs? Absolutely. Will it get rid of, you know, these cushy jobs here at Twitter or Google? Absolutely. Will somebody like myself be able to do three or four or five different jobs these days? Yes. You know, if you're a CEO of a company, you're probably going to have to do like five more jobs now because of this AI stuff. So your team gets cut into half or even a third, right? Because you got to run more lean. So that's what I'm trying to say. I think it's good in that sense, right? Especially if you're a Bitcoin company stacking sats, but it's bad in the sense that it's only going to get darker on the fiat side. I don't think I have a strong opinion on this, but I am happy that, for example, language models for AI have been used to get trained for certain writings, for example, books or tutorials or FAQs about certain Bitcoin projects so that you can ask questions directly in a more interactive way as opposed to reading through documentation. I think from this point of view, it's super useful. And the new generation of Bitcoiners is going to get spoiled with all, all the good stuff that's out there. Right. I don't know. I, I, I think it's, uh, it's going to be really interesting to watch. Um, and it's something that I'm paying close attention to. Um, so. All right. Let's jump into your top. Or your second top story, I should say. Your second top story. I think this year we have seen sort of a disillusionment with Lightning Network. And th this is tied to two different events. One of them is the ordinal inscription situation, where you have had super high fees without any sort of precedent in this regard. There was December of 2017, but it wasn't this sustained over the months. And there was also the ARC announcement that took away some, I guess, VC funding from Lightning. And we ended up in a situation where Lightning was revealed to be inefficient in a high-fee environment. And some people realized, even there's that guy, Brad Mills, who's a VC and invests in lightning companies. And he realized a couple of weeks ago that, oh, no, I have to open a channel that is the same size of the amount that I want to receive in order to do this non-custodially. I don't know why he realized this so late. I figured this out in 2018, and I wasn't very good at reading code at the time was only trying a wallet, but the idea is that Lightning has gotten smaller, maybe not in terms of small transactions, because Noster has contributed with all the zapping to increasing the transaction volume, but in terms of Bitcoin locked in the network and in terms of individual pleb run nodes, it definitely got smaller. And it's more centralized nowadays around a few LSPs that are not even too profitable. They do have some fees when you get onboarded. They do take their cut from routing fees, but it still seems like they're not profitable yet. So we end up with this situation where we have this cool second layer. There was also that vulnerability that one of the developers revealed 
before rage quitting. And it's still being used. It's still super useful, especially nowadays when the fees are high. But it, it, it's no longer being promoted as the solution. It's one of the solutions, and we're going to have more second layers as a consequence. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think you know, I don't know if you were paying attention to the to the Wall of Satoshi stuff, but that was kind of big, man. That was that was some big news. It it got a lot of lightning companies now having to look at uh, you know any type of regulatory capture of a sort, right? The last thing you want to do is going to knock at your business saying that you're um, you know breaking some type of rule or law. Um, so. I think I think that was shocking, right? And I think it it probably surprised surprised a lot of people. I, I know even you know myself, I was kind of shocked. I didn't think that would ever happen, at least not this soon. I thought they were going to give us a little bit more time to experiment. Um, so that was interesting. I think the other thing that's fascinating when it comes to like the lightning stuff is just you know lightning's just really hard to scale, man. Um, and that's why you see these other projects getting built, whether it's Arc or you know whether it's Splicing or, or it, you know there's just um, there's just uh, or like you said the sidechain stuff. Like there, there's just another there's just another they're 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 trying to solve a problem, right? They're trying to look for a need, and then that's just where my heart goes out to the Fetty team. It's like yeah, they're trying to solve the problem that we were having with Lightning. It's it's not a bad thing. These Chamian mints, they're trying to solve a problem because Lightning. Is is having problems with stuff like this, so I, I get it. My heart goes out to them, to, to the people that are trying to solve this problem. But I think that I think the biggest thing is the the fact that an average pleb, you know, when it comes to the next bull run, is not going to be able to, you know, run his own node because he can't open a channel, you know. And this is where I think projects like Zeus really stand out, right? Or even projects like Mutiny, or even like Phoenix, projects like that. But the problem with Phoenix is like. If you would have opened up a channel, like let's say five, six months ago, you would have been fine. You could still be, you know, sending payments and everything. But it, as soon as Wallet of Satoshi uh, got got pulled from the United States uh, app stores, it it, uh, it was very hard to, to, you know, you'd have to put a significant amount of of sats in there. So, um, I, I it. Yeah, it's it's always going to be a problem. I think there were some really good talks at TabConf where they were trying to explain through all these uh, issues and and kind of like um, you know last last mile problems that they were having to get the payment to go through. Um, but it kind of leads into my top third story that I want to talk about. But I'll, I'll see if you have anything else to say. No, go ahead. Yeah. So my top my my third top story is just. The building in the bear market. Um, you know, this is my second bear market working in Bitcoin. And last bear market, there is very few lighting projects. The, the, you know, a lot of the value for value stuff, the proof of work, uh, socials that were coming out like Fountain and, and Snacker News, those were getting built and they were so early. You know, and then you, you have like the, you know, of course, the Zebedee team with the lightning, the lightning address. And, and there was just a big influ- influx of like just new, fresh people, uh, the last uh, bear market. And, and and so I think this bear market, what I'm seeing is everybody's trying to solve a, a, a lot of what we just talked about in the last segment is the, the, the lightning problems that we have, right? Because if we want this really to be like a Visa or like a MasterCard network, like we're going to need some centralized 
node, whether that's a cash app, you know, big old channel that we can pass through or whether it's strike. And it seems like we're, we're moving in that direction, whether that's good or bad, you know, that's for another pod. But I'm just trying to say that, like, this is where it's kind of headed. And as, as Bitcoiners, uh, 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 we always tend to, you know, take our ball and, and, and go home or take our take our shovel and bucket and go build our own in our own sandcastle. And I and I think I think this bear market, we've seen a lot of uh, a building this time around than last time. And then if you add in the, we haven't even talked about the Nasser stuff, but if you add in the Nasser stuff that was getting built, the AI Bitcoin stuff that's getting built, all the the layer, I guess they would be later layer twos or layer threes. I, you know, what I'm trying to say is like, there's, there's an influx of builders coming in right now, trying to make some, you know, really uh, things that are challenging on the Lightning Network and, and, and trying to get them to scale. And the other really cool thing about the the building that's going on is you have like companies like Voltage that are like just absolutely killing it, you know? Um, and it's making it a lot easier for builders to build on top of, you know, whether it's they're leveraging their infrastructure or they're leveraging like these bigger APIs that like like Zebedee or Strike that are out there now. And so it, it's, it's a lower threshold for the average builder to start building now than it was two, three, or last bear market. There's just a lot more infrastructure now. And the infrastructure is kind of laid, in, unfortunately. It seems like it's already laid in Lightning. Uh, the GetAlby team is absolutely killing it, right? They're only going to make that browser extension even better. Um, and Nostra, I think I think the biggest issue with Nostra right now is the lack of experimentation. Um, they're, they're, they're not allowing builders to... Uh, uh, well, I shouldn't say not allowing. It's just... There's not enough funding for experimentation projects right now. It seems to be going to uh, uh, you know, uh, a certain group of builders. And that's fine, that's great if they do it faster, but I think there needs to be more funding towards like the developer conferences and the, the places where the builders already are, right? Like you need to, if you, if you want more cool stuff on Oster, uh, we can't just keep investing and, 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 and throwing money on social apps. Like that's just to get the average you know, because I would say at this point, most Bitcoiners who have heard of Nostra are on it right now. But if you want to go out and grab like, you know, the average normie, then you need more experimentation on it. And, and we need to be zapping instead of liking uh, because this proof of work socials is kind of where everything's already moving. Yeah, I like your optimism and the fact that you're trying to make it more about the community as opposed to the projects themselves. And you did a good job with Club Labs. I got to admit. Thanks, man. That means a lot I, coming from you. I, I have to think back a little and realize that we have spoken for the first time almost five years ago. And at the time, I think we spent a, a lot of time talking about Richard Hart. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I when that. I first met you, I had no clue that you were going to participate in starting something as big and influential for building stuff as Pleb Labs. So oh, really dude. congratulations for that. Oh man. Thank I guess you, this dude. also means that our podcasts are or older than five years. By yeah. Now. I well I was you remember when we did that Richard Hart, I was like still doing the crypto stuff because I think that was in twenty eighteen, I think. And I was still doing the crypto stuff and I hadn't moved over to Bitcoin full time. Uh, and it was people like yourself that would reach out to these crypto people and bring them on your pod. Cause I think at the time you were still 
you were still doing you're doing Bitcoin stuff, but you would you would reach out to to people like myself who you were trying to convince to to come, you know, you never convinced me, but you would say, hey, you should probably look at this because of this, this. And I would read your stuff. And and so it definitely Bitcoin takeover has definitely influenced me in that regard. So and also I think when I look back at how you did it, how you were able to take that thing that you created, uh, that media company, you really had a low time preference approach to building a Bitcoin company. And I think for myself, if I had to do it all over again, Club Lab including, I would have taken a much lower time preference. I think um, I just stepped into the shoes as, as CEO this year in 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 March. And, um, you know, it, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. It, it literally is, Vlad. It's it's. So, so much responsibility, so much, um, yeah, it, it's responsibility on all sides, on the investors, on the community, you know, on the builders, on um, just anybody, anybody that loves the brand and what it stands for. Um, so I, I take it very serious because it's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's I, I, the thing I didn't realize when I took over was I didn't realize people I didn't realize how much people cared about it, you know, on all sides. I, you know, I, I, I always considered it just like, oh yeah, it's just my job, and you know, I just do it. And, and but once I took over as CEO, I realized, okay, there's this tremendous responsibility um, to all these people, and a lot of people love the brand. And um, I just, me personally, I, I just want to make sure that we get out the vision that I think a lot of us want to see with this this type of uh, thing, whatever it is. I, you know, I liked when I took over, you know, I wanted to go down this hackerspace route and I really wanted to help, you know, more developers, builders, entrepreneurs, just anybody that wants to build on Bitcoin, come to Plub Lab. We'll, we'll do our best to get you either funding, pre-seed, a job, uh, if you want like, uh, you know, you know, uh, donations, like whatever you need, like come to Plub Lab and, or if you just want to learn like how to be a developer and stuff, come to Plub Lab and we can get you there. And and that's kind of the place I have taken it is more about that ethos and the hackerspace ethos and, you know, um, doing these hackathons and uh, we're about to announce something here pretty big. So I uh, can't talk about that, but like it's, to me, it, it, it's just about getting more Bitcoin businesses in, launched into the space and uh, helping them. And also, I think this is the fastest way get, we get to a Bitcoin standard. I don't think, I personally don't believe we get, we don't, I don't personally don't believe that we, we get to a Bitcoin standard unless we have a lot more Bitcoin businesses out there and a major Bitcoin hub in every major city in the world. I think we have to have a Bitcoin hub of a sort. And so... Yeah, man, that's just that's just my two cents on it. But you know what I miss actually doing, and the reason I do Thriller still is because I love writing, and you can you can speak to this too. I love writing. I love talking to people. You know, most of my job is just interfacing with people, and I love talking to people. I love finding out all about them and learning all about them, and how how if there's any way I can help them and. You know, and I, I just love like interacting with people and I um, and that's why I do Thriller because I, I love doing that and I'm curious about what's getting built and uh, I love writing and I love 
looking at projects and trying to understand them and see where they're going and doing a review on them just because I think they're fascinating. Um, and I do it out of love for, for stuff like that. And yeah, I, but go back to you. I think Bitcoin Takeover, I think, has done everything incredible, man. Like the amount of, the high quality pods that you do with these these really geniuses when it comes to building in, in Lightning and Bitcoin, and your your wallet review your wallet reviews are just like top notch. The other thing I love about what you do is you're not afraid to share your opinion, and whether you get people upset or not, you're just hey, this is my opinion, and you have the proof of work uh, to back it up. And either people can like it or not, but Vlad's going to say what he thinks, and. Um, so that's, I just want to say, man, I have a lot of respect for you. I love your magazine. Every time I go to Tapconf or, I ha or somebody brings one of your mags, we have it here at the lab. And so I always tell people that's my friend Vlad. And um, so, yeah, thank you for everything you do for Bitcoin, man. It's, uh, you've leveled me up from afar. Well, thank you for paying attention to what I do because you gave me a lot of praise, but for all the praise that you gave me and also shameless plug but the the topics that we discussed today in this podcast have been also discussed during my interviews and i have a new season that's gonna launch in a couple of weeks it's season 15 it's gonna be episodes i think 180 to 190 i'm getting very close to 200 episodes but what i'm trying to say here is that I took a low time preference approach because I really had to level my expectations. I never went viral. I never caused the Peter McCormack drama to make people look at what I'm doing and care. It's just that I, I kept posting and I'm trying to get better at marketing my own work because that's my biggest issue. I create stuff and then I rely on some internet strangers to care about it. I do see a growth from one year to the other, but it's still not at that level. And sometimes, you know, when you create a podcast and you spend a lot of time writing, you don't have much time looking at what other people do. But when you take a break and you listen to what they're doing, you realize, okay, they're super popular. But at the same time, they're not really that great. So there must be something about their personality or there must be something about the way in which they present themselves or market that makes people listen. Sometimes I think that the fact that I'm not American or not a n native English speaker, because when you look at it, two of the biggest Bitcoin podcasts are from British, not British because the other one is Australian, but guys with British accents, maybe that there's a fascination with that. But I do get the feeling sometimes that I'm in the wrong part of the world doing this. But I'm not complaining at the same time. I've made lots of friends. I travel to places in Europe pretty frequently for conferences. And I, I can't complain, really. I have very patient sponsors. I have very good friends that I've made along the way. And the reason why I still do it is that I'm still learning. And it's so fascinating. I started this when I was in university, I was doing my PhD on internet governance. I dropped out because I wanted to include something about Bitcoin and the supervisor was not very keen on it. 
But it seems like I'm still doing my PhD, you know, except that I don't know where this is heading. Am I going to write a big thesis on it? I don't know. I do write my magazines. I hope you picked up the latest one this year, which is called Breaking FUD. They're all open source for the people listening. You can check them out on btctkvr.com. You can download them, print your own copy. You can sell them. I don't care what you're doing with them as long as you're spreading the knowledge. And yeah, it's what I like. And the fact that I was able to invent my own job, I think that's even better. That's what it's all about, man. Like, that's what that's what's so great about Bitcoin is that once you have it, once you once you own it, you can use some of that HODL stack to go out and build a thing that you want to see in the world. Right. And I think what's really cool about both of us is we both did that to a certain extent. And I, I wanted just to hang out with my friends all day and do cool Bitcoin stuff. And luckily, you know, I'm still able to do that. Will that bit go go away one day? I hope not. I'm going to work very hard so it never goes away. If anything, I want to bring this joy to every single place in the world because I, I know how special something like that is when you get to work on what you believe to be the most human project that the world has ever created, you know? And, and I think that's Bitcoin. And, and that's, I want to bring that joy to other places of the world so they can experience that alongside other people who feel the exact same way. And and to me, I, I think it's uh, it's incredible to see what you've done and to see what you have accomplished. And every time I see your videos or your magazines, I just think to myself, I'm like, man, Vlad is so like, you do that supermodel or whatever it's called. And I just can't. I was like, I could never do that. Like, I could never be like that. But you, it's always hilarious. And it's always like, I'm like, you had the model up for the Supra. And I was like looking at it. And I was like, wait, does this actually work? <laughs> so, yeah, man, just good stuff, dude. Yeah, I'm happy you mentioned it because the third story for me is the Supra cycle. <laughs> I'm just joking, but I know, yeah, I know. But when I took like a third, fourth, fifth look at it, it was the it's the funniest thing, dude. I was like, who's talking like this? No one. That's why. That's what you said. Well, it might be because I'm not. No, I think it's because you are who you are that it gains traction, and why people like myself uh, keep watching it and listening to it and you know reading it is because it's so unique. (laughs) You know, there's nothing like Bitcoin takeover out there. Personally, that's what I think. Well, thanks, but the super cycle basically is a play on super cycle. And the idea that we were all supposed to get Lambos a couple of bull markets ago. But I don't have enough Bitcoin to get a Lambo ever. And if I do, I wouldn't buy a Lambo. So what's the plebs Lambo? Something that's 90% <laughs> of the experience at 10% of the price. And it's the Toyota Supra. <laughs>
is a party of two. Sugar, I got no question of the right thing to do. Oh, you know I'd leave any party 